Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson and I'm your host. Well, the Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today I am joined once again by our fellow uh, senior pastor here at Believer's Baptist Church, Jason Rowland. He's been here many, many years, um, and he is my co-host. Jason, how are you today? Doing great, Duffy. Looking forward to this episode. As am I. And we are thrilled to have uh, one of our heroes of the faith, in one sense, uh, Pastor Tom Askell of Founders Ministries. And I'll get Jason to introduce him in just a moment. But Tom, how are you doing this morning? Well, doing well. Thanks so much for uh, having me on your podcast. I've been looking forward to it. Absolutely. We're, we're thankful to have you. Jason, go ahead and, and take it away for us. Well, Tom, again, uh, just welcome to the podcast. We're delighted to have you for this particular episode. And um, if I have to list the influential men in my life, you would be one of those that have taught me and encouraged me at, at a distance. But but certainly you've been uh, a great help to my ministry and a great help to my soul and learning and teaching and being able to communicate to my uh, congregation here and serve with these elders and staff that I've been able to serve with. So thank you, brother, for all of that. And and I just want to say uh, some things about Tom. Tom is the uh, senior pastor at uh, Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, and uh, he started there in 1986. And he also uh, graduated from Texas A&M University, good Texas school. Uh, Tom, my daughter, is attending there right now. Is that right? Yesterday. Yeah, that's great. Um, and Tom also has an MDiv and PhD degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in uh, Fort Worth. Tom is uh, taught at New Orleans Baptist uh, Theological Seminary. He's taught at um, the Covenant Baptist Seminary. He's uh, written many articles and contributed to all kinds of uh, publications. He's the president of Founders Ministry, also the president of the Institute of Public Theology, and uh, one of the hosts on the uh, podcast, The Sword and the Trowel. And Tom regularly preaches uh, around the United States and in other countries. And uh, it, it is a privilege to be able to hand, have uh, Dr. Tom Askell with us uh, this on this particular episode. And and what we want to do, uh, Tom, I appreciate the state of Florida so much. Uh, my family was in Florida at Panama City uh, back in this past summer. Had a great yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great, day, great time to be in Florida. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm Texas born, Texas bred. I thought when I died, I'd be Texas dead, but I'm kind of a Floridian now. Uh, because of God's kindness through our governor and, and other things that have happened here over the last few years. It's been a, it's a great state. Praise God for it. I, I think Governor DeSantis, I told his staff this a few weeks ago, that I think God had someone like him in mind in Romans 13, 4. You know, I'm just, I'm preaching through Romans and uh, man, it's just become crystal clear. He 
he epitomizes in so many ways, not perfect, but in so many ways, what it means to be a magistrate under the authority of the God who created government. And uh, so all of that to say, love Texas. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's a good word. Well, Tom, we'd love to, uh, we, the reason why we want to have you on specifically is our church has gone through some, some doctrinal discussions in the last six or eight months. Um, and you know, this episode will, is, is airing in January. If you're watching this, if, the, if uh, we're recording this in December and Lord willing, it'll come out next month, but we have come through a really, I would say a rich time in a lot of ways in discussing some theological issues that may or may not have come up. And it's been a very, I think, edifying time for many at our church, me included, um, our elders and our, our leadership as well. But we, we discovered um, this little book uh, called, it's got a long title on it. It's a small book, The Necessity of Accommodation and the Danger of Compromise in the Life and Ministry of the Church. And it is a potent little uh, few pages. Um, and I would recommend it to, to, to any who are dealing with uh, whether small or large theological controversy in the church or just in personal life. But I just was curious, um, when, or where did this come from? Um, what, what was the impetus behind this? Did it start out as a book idea? Did it start out as an article or something like that? I'd love to hear. Yeah, well, I can't remember the date, but it's probably 35 plus years ago. I've been here 36 years, and it was early in my ministry here, I know, and maybe even before I got here. Uh, studying through law and gospel and trying to get my feet firmly planted on that issue, which is a massively important theological issue. Uh, if you want any demonstration of the proof or the truthfulness of that statement, just go back and read um, guys from 200 years ago and almost all of them, you know, Lutheran, Protestant, uh, Reformed, even Catholics would make arguments about that. And we've lost that over certainly the last uh, 50 to 100 years among evangelicals uh, in the West and in America particularly, and even among so-called Reformed evangelicals, the law and the gospel as a theological construct has been neglected. Some have rejected it outright, but uh, by and large, it's been neglected. And uh, I forget who it was. It's maybe John Newton or uh, I can't remember. It might have been John Newton who said that at the bottom of nearly all theological error is a misunderstanding of law and gospel. So, man, I was trying to get it. I didn't get it in seminary. So I was trying to really, you know, understand this issue. And with that, you get into the issue of Christian liberty, which is massive. It's massive for living well under the Lordship of Christ uh, in any era. But in our era, when there's confusion on long gospel, it's become increasingly critical. So through that, the whole idea of, well, how do you handle your liberty? And I see the Apostle Paul particularly, but not only him, I see God doing it in Revelation, and you just see it in other places throughout the scripture, actually accommodating the ignorance or prejudices of people in order to teach them better, you know, so that they can overcome those ignorances and prejudices. So that that was a something that's going on in my mind. I got invited to address the issue. I can't remember if I'd spoken on it before or written on it, but I've been having conversations about it. So the Banner of Truth Conference, Minister's Conference, asked me to speak on it, and I, I did speak on it there. Um, it, it didn't go over real well with some of the people there, uh, quite honestly. I think you know some folks may have appreciated it, and I probably just blew it you know, trying to communicate it. Um, but it, it forced me to continue to study, and uh, there were some people there who did hear it 
uh, Jim Adams, pastor out in Arizona, he, he kept bugging me. He said, man, you need to put this in print, put this in print. And I'd send him my notes and people, somebody, I don't remember who now, actually put my notes into uh, print and, and PDF and it made its rounds uh, around a place at different churches. So through the years, I've just refined it. And I may have published it as an article. I can't recall. But uh, during COVID, when I was going out of my mind trying to stay busy and not violate all the laws and precepts and recommendations being handed down, uh, I was walking a lot. And one day when I was walking, I was thinking, you know, I'll just do this. So I got on Amazon and tried to figure out how to do a electronic book, a Kindle book. And I, I botched it pretty well, but I at least got things organized well enough that somebody else could come in behind me and pick it up and say, yeah, we can print this. And so that's what we did with founders. And it's the, the topic is important. The topic has been as important and useful to me in my pastoral ministry as any other single issue, because it's, it's helped me in counseling. It's helped me in preaching. Mm. It's helped me in uh, strategic thinking with fellow elders and trying to bring a congregation along. So I believe very deeply in the, the importance of this issue. I think the book, Tom, is the um, necessary, one of the necessary resources for any pastor that is trying to uh, lead reformation in his church or that church is reforming. It's just so helpful and practical. And so it's a very good resource. So let's think about um, how, how would we define what what's the definition that we can give to the word accommodation? And then what is the definition that we can give to the word compromise? Yeah, well, and that's important because a lot of people equate the two. And, and I've uh, you know, had people say, beware of accommodation. You're accommodating culture. You're accommodating sin and all those things. I get it because practically speaking, they can look very much alike. And yet can, they're radically different. You know, they're, they're not kissing cousins. They're completely different species. And uh, you don't have that as a starting point. Then the arguments I try to make in the book won't make any sense. So I see compromise as the sacrificing of principles and in, in what we're talking about here, biblical principles for what is determined to be a greater good. So pragmatism plays into this readily. And we see that all around us today that, uh, oh, well, you can't do this because uh, it won't work. Even though the Bible says you should do this, well, we're going to not do what the Bible says because we found a greater good. We found a greater motivation. You see this all the time, like with J.D. Greer and Ed Litton's uh, pronoun hospitality. You know, let's participate in the lies of those who are self-deceived and uh, emotionally and psychologically confused and suffering from sexual dysphoria. And we will call him her if that's what makes them feel better because we're going to be hospitable. We'll call it love. And in reality, what you're doing is you're participating in lies. And the scripture tells us that we're people of truth and truth is uh, love always rejoices in the truth. And so I would see that is compromise. That's not accommodation. You're, you're sacrificing biblical principle for something that you think is more important in that situation. Uh, accommodation uh, is the, the willing restriction of the exercise of your Christian liberty for the purpose of seeing people who disagree with you and who maybe are bound by uh, ignorance or traditions or, or cultural customs. You want to see them set free from that. You want to lead them into a greater understanding of the truth, both what God requires and what God forbids. 
some people see accommodation as giving up Christian liberty. It is not. There is a massive difference between giving up your Christian liberty, which no Christian should ever do. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we've got to stand in that freedom. Galatians 5 is very clear on that. But there's a difference between giving up your liberty in Christ, your freedom, and choosing not to exercise your liberty that you have. And if you do that, then, you know, that's fine. That's something you're doing. Nobody's dictating to your conscience. And I call that uh, accommodation. And I think I see it biblically uh, time and again throughout the scripture. I see it most uh, starkly, I think, in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So when you rec- when if you give me that starting point, those definitions, then I think most uh, people, most pastors would say, OK, yeah, we need to accommodate and we must never compromise. But those things get not thought about that specifically and precisely and it, it results in a bunch of confusion sometimes and i think some real missteps and I, again i because the lord has sensitized me to it and i believe he taught me these things i think i see them clearly in scripture uh i'm uh, i'm i'm pretty much aware of it all the time and it operates as a kind of a background operating system in my thinking and ministry all the time you know I, i'm not going to compromise but boy i want to go as far as i can go to accommodate this ignorance or this uh, someone bound to tradition who has these misunderstandings in mind. And, and I don't want them to, to write me off and write off the truth. I want to try to communicate to them because of misconceptions in their mind. I would much rather uh, remove whatever obstacles I can that I might try to win them. Yeah. Well, and, and the object of, or I, I guess the, um, the role of a pastor and a shepherd, if there is something hindering, uh, one of your sheep from coming to the knowledge of the truth, you don't want to put an additional stumbling block in their way. You want to help remove those. And this is the whole idea of accommodation. Uh, it's right. a self, self-restraint of your uh, rights and your liberty in the interest of them in order to bring them along, right? Did I, did I say that? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Okay. Absolutely. I, I think Paul articulates it at the end of First uh, Corinthians 9, you know, so that I've become all things to all men that I might win yes. some, gain some. And it's, what's he doing there? He's not saying, I'm going to compromise. I'm just not going to care about principles. No. He's saying, I'm going to live within those principles, but I'm going to do it knowing that I don't have to demand my rights. I don't have to demand that I be allowed to exercise my legitimate freedoms uh, when I uh, have them. If giving up the exercise will allow me to be a Jew to the Jews, you know, to be uh, ignorant to those who are ignorant, weak to those who are weak. He, he said, I'll, I will, I'll get down on their level and I'll choose not to do what I'm very free to do for the sake of gaining a hearing with them that I might win them. And I, man, I, I think so, so crucial for us. And again, as you know, that teaching of the apostle Paul has been severely abused to say, oh, okay, well, that just means, you know, uh, uh, we're going to be all things to all people. And then we say that, you know, this immorality is not immoral because we don't want to hurt their feelings. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not without law. He's not without law. I'm under the law of Christ. And we cannot, to give up what God says is compromise. But we need to be very clear on what God says, what he doesn't say. And when we see those of liberty, then accommodation is a corollary of that. It grows out of that. And uh, we need to learn how to accommodate effectively and uh, willingly for the greater good. I, I mean, I've been, I've been smitten in my own conscience in this study through the years. I've just finished preaching through Romans uh, 14 
through 1513. And so the whole issue of Christian liberty is fresh in my mind again. But you go over to 1 Corinthians 8, and Paul says, look, if eating meat causes my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. Now, how many Baptist preachers do you know that would give up bacon for the rest of their life? Not yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, I can eat bacon, but I'd just choose not to if yeah. it's going to benefit my brother. And he's not saying I'm going to be ruled by the weakest link. That's yeah. how he's calling to do. He said, hey, quit eating bacon so that you can convince these people that eating bacon is okay. And that's the point. And that's what accommodation allows you to do without any uh, qualms in your conscience, without feeling like, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm violating what God's called me to be and what he's given me in Christ. Yeah. Jason, you want to jump in there? <clears throat> well, I, the first part of the book talks about compromise, and mm -hmm. that's really the the part that is uh, the easiest to understand, the easiest to, to follow. And you use the example of the interaction between Pharaoh and Moses and how that Pharaoh continued to offer those um, compromises for mm -hmm. Moses and the, the people. And uh, Moses refused because he had to stand on what God had said, which mm -hmm. is the key to understanding not compromising is to what has to, to know what has God said and be confident in the sufficiency and the authority of the word of God and what he said. And so you make that point in, in that chapter on, on compromise, and that's the lesser chapter. Uh, and Jesus and the temptation in the wilderness is another example that you also mentioned in that book, uh, in that chapter, Tom. And so I think those are pretty clear and easy to understand. Uh, I think some of the fears that we have as humans, the fear of men, um, the fear of um, um, somehow not having recognition or um, you know, not being popular in terms of uh, the people, uh, I think those tend to lean into our willingness to, to compromise. Yeah. And I have like other, other suggestions. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that is very, very well put. Uh, man fearing and a lack of fear in God, uh, certainly, they're, they're just a breeding ground. I was in an extended conversation earlier today. Uh, about some of the things that are going on and some of the rationale that's being given for uh, churches closing their services on the Lord's Day, you know, because of a holiday or because of other things or, you know, what one pastor wrote. In fact, I quoted him in my sermon Sunday that uh, they get they're not going to meet on Christmas Sunday that falls, you know, Christmas Day falls on Sunday because we believe in the Sabbath. And, you know, when I read that, busted out laughing. And uh, it's like, yeah, what's going on here? Well, I think that illustrates another real problem is that we're not, we're, we're not thinking as rigorously as we ought to think about what the Bible teaches. Again, it comes back to law and gospel. Uh, the law, what God requires of us, the gospel tells us what God provides for us. And God loves his law as much as he loves his gospel. Mm. And people, don't like you talking about God's law because they immediately hear legalism, you know, or, or you're being a Pharisee. It's not legalistic to say this is what God requires and we're obligated to do it. There's nothing legalistic about that. Amen. If you say God requires, we got to do it or else we're not going to be accepted by God. And the, the only way we get accepted is by doing what he's told us to do. Well, you're misunderstanding both law and gospel. Amen. And the legalism, I mean, the, Legalism. Anyway, it's just it's a mess. I mean, it's a whole mess. And if we could just get straight and I would urge every pastor study the Ten Commandments, just study the Ten Commandments. Um, 
you, you got Andy Stanley and others saying we need to unhitch our faith from the Old Testament. Well, that mentality has permeated a lot of the evangelical landscape so that people are kind of left to think for themselves, you know, what, what is it that God likes? What is it that God wants? Well, surely God would want people to have a day off. They've been working hard all week with our Christmas pageants, or we're going to be in Sunday night, you know, Saturday night for Christmas Eve. God, God understand. I mean, it's no, God, God has opinions about things. He's revealed them to us in his word and uh, his opinions law. It's not something that we can take. Or so if well, we, if we understand that it'll help us go a long way. Yeah, let me, I love, on page 13 of this little book, you've got a great little closing, concluding statement. I want to just read this, but um, I wanted to add something really quickly to what you just said. Tom, a lot of people in our churches, um, this is due to many years of kind of just a, a disinterest in the Old Testament and the law of God, but a lot of people just don't know what to do with the Ten Commandments anymore. What are they for? Mm -hmm. Why do we still have them? Why are they good for us? Are they necessary? Are they needed? I mean, all these things, all these questions people have who have been Christians for 30, 45 years um, and we've lost it. Uh, yeah. That's what I've come and I've come to realize that even myself, I, I was born and raised in a Southern Baptist um, in the Southern Baptist world uh, up until a few years ago. And when all this craziness started happening and anyway, but so I'm right in with you guys. I was not taught. They were just good Bible verses to memorize, but there was no application, no doctrinal emphasis behind it. But really quickly, I just want to read this. This is excellent. Uh, you write on page 13 to close out the chapter on compromise, but this does not mean that our conduct is to be governed by a spirit of obstinacy. Neither does it mean that an inability to get along with those who disagree with us is a necessary consequence to an uncompromising commitment to God's word. Because while we are never free to compromise, we are at the same time obligated to accommodate. And I want to I want to use that to kind of pivot and move move into this discussion of accommodation a little bit more. Uh, but I thought that was a great transitional paragraph that just summarizes the whole thing. Uh, it, it separates kind of this law gospel issue uh, idea, uh, this accommodation and compromise issue. So, Jason, do you have anything to add? And we'll kind of move into this accommodation. Well, I, I like the chapter that uh, we begin to read about accommodation, and there's some very definite characteristics that I think help us to uh, understand, give clarity to what accommodation is. And so, Tom, what you've written here, this is on page 16 of the book, and it says that the first thing that we need to understand about accommodation is that it is self-imposed. Yes, and so we see that as you lay out these texts in uh, Romans um, 14 and also in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. And it's self-imposed. Secondly, it is principled. We're talking mm -hmm. about accommodation. Thirdly, it is contextual. And then fourthly, uh, the aim is to dispel um, darkness and to bring the gospel to bear on the situations. And mm -hmm. I, I think those four characteristics help us as we think about accommodation. And it's not um, selling out, and it's not because you're fearful of the person or a group of people, uh, but you understand if you're ever going to lead these people to understand the gospel, if they're lost, or even to help the believer come out of um, misunderstanding or, or uh, personal preference or any of those things, you're going to have to come alongside in a in a graceful way. 
Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do that with some sense of respect and gentleness and encouragement so that they can come to that place where they see that and you can gently lead them further into understanding. And so I'll say all that to say, um, Tom, what, what, you've been in Romans 14. Uh, lay out a little bit of uh, some of the things that you see as it relates to uh, what those characteristics are. For example, uh, what you said earlier, I believe, was that Paul um, chose not to eat uh, bacon, uh, but it was self-imposed. Yeah, right. Yeah. He just said, I'm willing to do it. I, I won't even eat it for the rest of my life, which is, it, that shows us how far Paul would go in this way of thinking. And it does sound kind of foreign to us. And, and to me, I mean, again, this God has used this to convict me deeply. How far am I willing to go? There are two, two tendencies that are both wrong that I think a right understanding of these issues save us from one is to uh, to feel like, you know, especially I'm thinking about pastors going into churches that just need to be taught because they hadn't been taught well in uh, a lot of these areas that they're important for us to understand. So uh, I'll give you one example. When I came to this church, there was an understanding that the altar call was the method of evangelism. And so a post sermonic altar call. Now, you know, I'm not going to throw stones at people that do that. Uh, you can do it well. It can be done really poorly. Uh, when I grew up, you know, where where I lived in the early years of my life, uh, it wasn't done really well because there's a lot of psychological manipula- manipulation. Um, I studied psychology in college. And once the lights began to go off in my mind about, hey, this is what's going on here. It scared me. And I realized I was good at it and I could do it. And, you know, God, again, convicted me and I had to sort through all that. But if I had come in here, on day one and said, we're not doing an altar call. That's not biblical. There's nothing that requires us of that. We're going to stop that. Well, what I have immediately, I've communicated to people in their minds. This pastor doesn't believe in evangelism. He doesn't believe in evangelism because this is evangelism. This is the way people get saved. And you're not giving anybody an opportunity to get saved. So what do you do with that? Well, I mean, I was convinced that this is not a helpful thing for us in our, uh, order of service and what we want to do in evangelism evangelism. So, you know, I defanged it initially. So I'm, I'm down front. You want to come down here and talk to me. I'll talk to you. We can pray, whatever. And, you know, but I was doing the form. I was doing the form of it. I wasn't saying step out you take the first step. Jesus will take the rest and come down here and give your heart to Jesus. You know, he'll meet you at the altar. And I wasn't using any of that language. That's kind of standard uh, was at least. And I, I had some church members say, you know, Pastor, your preaching is OK, but you don't know how to close the deal. <laughs> you know? And I'd say, well, OK, you know, but I'm, I'm, there's a purpose behind this. So I accommodated the ignorance of people until there was a members meeting. I don't know, a year or two in when we had an atheist who had been converted uh, and she stood up and said, because some people were asking about why, why was the altar call so poor and why wasn't I doing it all the time? And she said, let me just tell you, said, if, if he did what most churches do that I've been in, she said, I would never have come back. And she said, I, I listened because I didn't feel manipulated. And mm-hmm. it really took off for people. And we were able to get over that where it's an, a, a non-issue. So I could have come in and felt like, oh, no, I'm compromising. If I don't say we're not doing this, the Bible doesn't command it. And that would have been a horrible mistake. On the other hand, with my convictions that this is really extraneous and can be dangerous and is probably best not utilized, uh, if I had just come in and said, well, I'm just going to accommodate this, and 36 years later, we're doing the same thing, then I haven't led them. I, that's not accommodation either. 
that's just kind of finding the path of least resistance. And a lot of guys will do that because you don't have to fight. You don't have to take a stand. You don't have to get shot at. Yep. And that's not what I'm talking about by combination. It always is goal oriented. You're always yeah. trying to disrupt, getting people to a place of healthier biblical understanding and living. Yeah. And properly done. Just let me add, I, I think it would be easy to think someone might take that as you're just trying to be manipulative. You're trying to change what I believe, but it's goal oriented. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But without the self, uh, the, the fleshly manipulation, that, that would be the yeah. ideal situation. <laughs> right. I think there's a lot of times where a, a church member could, could be, you know, could take something like this information that we're talking about today and think, well, they're just trying to change my position. And that's manipulative, mm. right? <laughs> yeah. And no, I have to say it up front. Of course, I want to change your position. I want all of our positions to change more and more in conformity to Christ. This is not Amen. a one deal. You know, I mean, <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2 are pretty clear that we that's need right. to have renewed. That's ongoing. And none of us is perfect. I think I said it last week in a sermon or maybe a Bible study or something that I know I've got problems with my theology. I just don't know where they are. And if I know where they are, then I'll try to correct them. But anything you can do to show me from the word of God where those problems are, man, you've served me. And we're, we're on this in this together and none of us has arrived. And, and that's I mean, that's just a point of normal Christian living, isn't it? To, to be humble and to be submitting your minds to the word and to be taught more and more by the spirit of God as he shines more light on the word. And uh, none of us has arrived. And, you know, Peter said Paul wrote some things that are hard to understand. Okay. <laughs> you know, do we think we have it all figured out automatically? No, we don't. We, we need grace to grow and the knowledge and grace of Christ. Jason, you want to jump in? Progressive sanctification. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I will say, you know, we've been talking a lot in that chapter of uh, in a, on accommodation about the instruction part, but also in that chapter, Tom, you've written um, a good section about an example in which you give uh, an example of Paul and Titus and Timothy. And we don't necessarily have to talk that now. Here's the loop. Uh, but that is a, an important part of what I understand about accommodation Paul gave uh, in his ministry uh, with those two young men, Timothy and Titus. But then also the third aspect of that is that accommodation is rooted in the character of God. So it's rooted in instruction, it's rooted in example, and it's rooted in the character of God. And I, I think that if you have time, let, let's speak on that just for a moment. Yeah, well, I mean, Scripture. What is Scripture? Do you think that Scripture is the divine language and that we all have divine minds to understand it? No, God accommodated himself to our, our creatureliness. Uh, I mean, Jesus said many things to say to you, but you're not able to bear them now. And the author of Hebrews does the same thing in chapter five, first of chapter six. Uh, well, that's just that's simple accommodation. And to recognize that that's the way God's dealt with us ought to humble us and make us willing to deal with one another that way. I think it's Calvin who says in his institutes you know, that the scripture, God's revealing himself to us in the written word is like a parent who speaks baby talk to his infant child. You know, you don't, you don't speak in Shakespearean prose or, or poetry to your uh, six month old or one year old. What do you do? You, you speak in, in simple statements and words. You, you meet them where they are to lead them 
hopefully over time to where they can appreciate Shakespearean prose and poetry. But you don't start with that. And that's what God has done with us in scripture. So the accommodation, I think, is embedded in the revelation of God to his image bearers. And again, that just that that kind of provides some theological muscle for me to recognize, okay, all right, this is something far more important, far more vast than what I might see in one-off uh, ministry uh, opportunities. Right, right. And the conclusion of the book, and, and Tom, it's very helpful because you give principles there to help us to understand how to apply the idea of uh, accommodation and then also how to avoid um, compromise. But one of the things that, that we have to recognize um, that that there are going to be theological controversies. There are going to be disagreements. I think with even within a, a local congregation, there's going to be different understandings and uh, different interpretations, different uh, suppositions that people have to work through and come together on if they're going to continue in unity in that local church. And I think about um, it's inevitable that compromise rather that uh, controversy comes. And, and, and you've mentioned that. But I, I want us to emphasize at the end of this episode, this idea of, of showing mercy, grace, coming alongside, making sure that there's that uh, pastoral work, um, because it's easy, particularly um, in our um, thinking as um, uh, men who would like to see the church reformed, it's easy for us to say, hit the road. No, I like yeah. it, hit the road. Um, and it's easy to 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 be um, ungraceful, if that's the right word. And um, I just want to I, I just want to make sure that we emphasize that at the end of this time, that um, the, uh, particularly for the listener who is a church member, um, I want them to know that the elders at this local church are here to serve. They want we want to shepherd well. We want to come alongside and nurture and encourage uh, and to be involved in your spiritual growth in a positive way, in a helpful way. Um, and then that's how uh, pastors ought to think about it in any local church setting is how can I best come along and shepherd these people rather than wearing um, a um, a. Um, departure like a badge of honor we we think that if we run people off it's it's showing our courage and, and i'm not sure that's good thinking no that's completely bad thinking you know you you just consider one of the old songs that uh we sometimes sing around here is uh could we bear from one another what he daily bears from us and just look at the, look at all that god puts up with with us in our ignorance and our fallenness and 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 our futilities and and our continued uh stupidity you know we make the same mistakes and all and god's so kind to bear with us and we're to bear with one another we're called upon to bear with one another and so yeah this thinking this way gives you opportunity to not feel like you're having to you're compromising anything to just recognize okay you know, you're a child of God, and I'm going to hope the best for you. And I'm believing the Spirit of God's going to work in you the way I want Him to work in me. I think it's Philippians three, isn't it, where Paul says, "If anybody thinks differently, the Lord will reveal it to him." You know, it's like, okay, I'm not undone by the fact that you don't get this yet. Uh, you're going to get it, and the Spirit will make it plain to you. But, it, but this is where I think 
of, of a good, strong confession of faith where a church comes in. Because if you can agree that, look, you're, we're going to be taught, we're going to be led, the ministry is going to be based upon this understanding of the Word of God, then people who come in who may not agree with all of that, they, they know, well, this is where we're coming from. You know, you shouldn't be caught off guard uh, whenever we preach these things. And we're happy to have you who disagree with us as long as you agree on the essence of what is the gospel and you're trusting Christ and you know relying on him. You want to grow in grace. Amen. And we want you to So you can do that without feeling threatened, without feeling like, oh, no, you know, you're, you don't dot all the I's and cross all the T's with us. So you don't belong here. It's not we goodness. If God dealt with us that way, you know, the Bible would end at Genesis three. There wouldn't be a world, uh, but God's been gracious and us. And I, I love what uh, John Flavel said, the old Puritan. He said the, the ministers of a crucified Christ ought to have a crucified style. Mm. We ought to be people that, that minister according to the spirit of the very gospel that we love and proclaim. That's good. That's very good. Hmm. Well, Tom, thank you so much for uh, taking just a little bit of your day this morning to yes. speak with us. Um, we are very appreciative and we want to, we are praying for your ministry. We know that you, ju- you guys just got through or, well, you, you're still dealing with the after effects of the hurricane that came through. And uh, we have prayed for your church and your community. And uh, just real quickly, do you mind sharing how things are, are going? Just kind of totally flip flip it real quickly as we end. How are things with Grace Baptist Church and your community from the hurricane? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Um, you know, I, I've kind of come to this understanding of what we're facing. I, it's probably not original with me. I just don't remember where I got it. But uh, it looks like we're in three phases. You know, you got immediately relief. People need water, they need food. Uh, we were able to help with that. And uh, the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief, Red Cross and others, we were a, a post uh, for them, a, a center where supplies were sent. We were distributing to the community for, you know, almost around the clock, but for several, several weeks till we shut that down. Well, relief has is, is happened. Everybody that needs water, everybody needs food has access to that. Uh, most people who need shelter have access to that, though you know, we got people displaced in our family and in our uh, church that you know, some of them still displaced and they're not going to, some of them may have to never, may never be able to go back trying to figure out they have to just completely tear down, walk away what they can do. So that's a, that's a long process, but from relief, you, you go into recovery and that's where we are now. Um, you know, it becomes part of the landscape, but I had a couple of my grandkids in the car the other day and we were driving and I noticed that what they were talking about, they were playing a game of the different colored tarps, the number of different colored tarps they saw in houses. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's everywhere. Uh, There's still debris piled up in front of people's houses. We finally got the debris in front of our house just a few days ago, uh, taken away. And, you know, uh, it's just part of the landscape. And so there's that signs are still down, lights are twisted and and that's going to be months in recovery. And then after that, you got rebuilding. And that's going to be years and some of it's not going to come back and, and much of it's going to be rebuilt differently. There are places like Sanibel, Fort Myers Beach, that in Pine Island right near us that were just just almost leveled. And because of new codes and restrictions and such, you can't build what was there before. You have to build differently. And, and um, we hosted a town hall meeting last night where we brought in three lawyers and a bunch of professionals and uh, they talked through the insurance issues and the complications and what it's, 
it's just a nightmare. I got, I got personally, our, our insurance company sent us the, their first response just yesterday or two days ago. And, you know, you need a Philadelphia lawyer to understand it. Uh, and I'm, I, I understand English pretty well, but I, I'm lost in trying to read that 11 or 12 page document. And um, these guys offered help, which I'm grateful for, but I mean, you're, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of people in this situation in Southwest Florida. Mm. So I have to say the church is doing well, praise God. I mean, we've seen growth. We've seen people come to Christ uh, in the storm, through the storm, which has been wonderful. Um, this, to see God's hand at play there, but we're not back. We're back on regular schedule. So we have our normal rhythms of the week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible studies are up and going, but our, all of our, all of our scheduled meetings are not yet, you know, the, the Bible studies like Sunday school and Wednesday night for children and youth. We used to have things going for them and we're just not in a position yet to uh, get back. We still got a lot of work to do on the structure of our facilities and a lot of determination still need to be made. So it's just an ongoing process. And it's just, it's one of those things that you praise God because you see his hand everywhere, but it's just one of those things every day you wake up, you know, it's there, you know, you got to deal with these kinds of issues that three months ago you weren't thinking about. So uh, God's doing a lot in the middle of it and we're grateful. And and people have been so kind. I do want to say this churches from throughout the United States, individuals, people from around the nation, the world, have reached out and helped us, sent us supplies, sent us financial help. And uh, we've been overwhelmed with the expressions of love from God's people. And we're very grateful for that. And founders as well. Founders, uh, we lost about a month or six weeks of work because we could not use the the founders building. Uh, it wasn't usable. And so we're playing catch up with that. And, uh, you know, again, just pray that the Lord would help us as you think of it. Yes, Absolutely. Jason, do you have any final closing thoughts before we wrap the episode up? <clears throat> no, I'll just, again, uh, I'll appreciate you coming on. I know that um, you, again, have been very uh, helpful and instrumental in, in what we've done here and uh, at Believers Baptist Church and uh, looking forward to uh, upcoming projects. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get in uh, and come and be a part of the uh, 40-year anniversary of the Founders Ministry uh, after the uh uh, first of the year in January of 2023, and and uh, I would love to to have uh, been able to be there, but we just the, the timing just wasn't good. But so we'll look forward to uh, seeing some of the um, printed things that come out of that, plus the uh, uh, podcast. I know you'll be talking about it. Sure. And by the way, I've been to the your brother Bill's church before okay. a long, long time ago. Yeah, uh, and it was um, my brother lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so uh, your brother was a was a pastor and he may still be in Oklahoma. Is he still in Oklahoma? Also, Oklahoma, Bethel Baptist Church. Yeah. Great church. Yeah. I'm glad you were able to worship. Yeah, with Yeah, him. that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was. A, it was a great time. Uh, but it's been so long ago um, that uh, he wouldn't know who I was or anything like that. But it was a, a fun time uh, to okay. be. It was a conference. And I can't even remember what it was now. But anyway. Okay. Thank well, you, brother, for coming on and being a part of this. Yeah, let me just mention, too, that the Founders Conference, which is, uh, I think, January 20 through 22 or something like that, it will be live streamed, God willing. Uh, again, the infrastructure's been damaged here, and we're trying to get it up where it can handle that. But if we're able, we will live stream the whole thing, and then the, the recordings will all be uh, released as soon as we can after the conference as well. Yeah, amen.
Super. Well, uh, that's it for today's episode. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. We hope it's been a great blessing to you. But don't forget before you go, like or share this podcast with uh, with anyone that you know, someone that might be helped by this. Uh, you can share it on social media, maybe send it through text message or email or however you like to share your media. Please get this out. We'd love for uh, this to be a good promotion of uh, Tom and his ministry, his faithful ministry of Founders um, Founders Ministries. We want more people to get to know uh, about the resources that they have available. And lastly, don't forget that you can go on our church's website, bbcemory.org. If you have a question you'd like for us to consider to address in a future podcast, go to our media tab, scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, and there is a box that you could submit to us a question. But until next time, as usual, grace and peace be with you all.